You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. What happened? Oh, the music just stopped. <laughs> and welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers bounce back from their very poor performance in Piscataway to come home and beat the Minnesota Golden Gophers 74-62 to in a game where the Hoosiers jumped out from the beginning. I mean, it looked like they were shot out of a cannon at the start of the game, playing offense with confidence and aggression that we haven't seen, really competing on defense. They built an 11-4 lead uh, at the first media timeout, which actually felt like it could have been more because we missed so many early free throws. But the Hoosiers basically just held that lead for the rest of the game, went into halftime up 10, uh, and and then, you know, continued their good play in the second half, getting up by more than 20 at one point to get a very, very big victory that moves the Hoosiers to 12 and 5, 4 and 2 in conference play. Uh, and obviously a much needed victory with Tuesday's big game coming against Purdue. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Bob Motes. Uh, and we are going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And we'll start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And for tonight's Banner Moment, I'm going to go to a two-possession stretch in the second half. Indiana was up 50-35, to and I really felt like this stretch was the dagger. Trey Galloway drove right down the right baseline. Uh, you know, no one on Minnesota really stepped up to challenge him. And, you know, I'm thinking in my, in my mind as Trey goes up in the air, shoot the floater. I actually said it out loud, shoot the floater, Trey. And all of a sudden, you see him not going to shoot it. He passes it to McKenzie Mbako, who was wide open in the left corner. It was a perfect pass right in the shooting pocket. McKenzie, you know, puts it up, shoots it confidently, drills it. That put Indiana up 18 on the very next possession. Trey Galloway hit a three of his own on a nice little inside-outside play from the right wing. It put Indiana up 56-35. to Really felt like the dagger. And what I loved about that sequence is, number one, It was indicative of what I thought was Trey Galloway's best game since the Kansas game. He was excellent in terms of being an efficient scorer, in terms of creating. I thought he played excellent defense, really helped to set the tone for this team in terms of his creativity, but also something that we haven't seen from this program very much is passing up a decent two to get a great look from three, which Indiana did right there. And I think most of the time when you do that, the math is going to work out in your favor, especially when the ball is going to a shooter as good as McKenzie Mbako. And so it was nice to see that. And it's always nice to see Trey stepping up and making shots uh, like he did this evening. And plus, you know, we got to talk about McKenzie Mbako, who was outstanding, led Indiana in scoring with 19 points, one of his most versatile and aggressive offensive games that we've seen uh, and was two for four from downtown. Always nice to see that. But that was a nice little stretch uh, between those two. It put Indiana up 21. I'm not sure if that was their biggest lead. It was close to their biggest lead uh, as they really just played an, an excellent stretch of basketball there in the middle part of the second half to put this game away. Okay, now let's talk about our presenting sponsor. That's right. Our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their seventh season sponsoring the Assembly Call and their third as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. And if you were listening to our show last night, our thousandth episode, Connor Hitchcock, founder of Homefield Apparel, was on with us. 
and he teased a little IU refresh that is coming soon. It's one of the best parts about Homefield Apparel. They started as an IU apparel company, and so they're always refreshing their IU line. They have more IU stuff than anybody, and that's why you really want to follow them on Twitter or, even better, sign up for the text alerts or the app so that when the new IU gear comes out, you can be first to get it because a lot of times those items are of limited quality. And so if you're not right there ready to go when the stuff is released, you may not get it. And it's not just IU stuff, of course. They have you know apparel for colleges and universities all over the nation. And I saw a tweet from them earlier today. I believe they're adding 21 new schools uh, coming up here early in 2024. So keep your eyes on what Homefield is doing. They're always doing new and exciting stuff. And you can save... When you use our promo code HOME23 at homefieldapparel.com, that will give you 15% off your first order. Again, promo code HOME23 at homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Okay, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We will start with Andy, your bottoms line on this bounce-back victory for the Hoosiers. Yeah, really solid performance coming back. Uh, Another game where they held the opponent under a point per possession for the game. I had it at 0.90 in total. Uh, So, you know, hopefully some uh, improvement on that end of the floor. And and just thought you saw a lot of guys get into a rhythm offensively. I thought the offense flowed really well. I I think you attribute a lot of that to the way that Galloway played. I thought Gabe Cups moved the ball well. Didn't shoot it well. Uh, we had a, a lengthy debate on our text chain about uh, about his shot selection, but I, I thought he was really important in terms of how how well they moved the ball uh, and was a big factor in the defensive numbers I mentioned. So uh, I, I think they were able to get a lot of guys involved. And to me, you know, the key part of the game was really toward the end of the first half. You had Galloway and Renew both get their second fouls, pretty much back to back plays. And those really, I think, for most of the season have felt like kind of the two most important guys to get going. And and I in Minnesota cut the lead to, I think, five. Um, IU scored five points in a row at one point to push it back up to 10. I think it was a Anthony Walker layup and a, a where uh, made three that kind of pushed it back up, and they were able to maintain that margin. And even with the slow start uh, in the second half, you know, turned the ball over a few times early, really thought they got into a rhythm again and – uh, you know, ultimately that's what you want to see. They had a, some really good stretches of offense early in the second half that built that lead. Uh, as you talked about bit of a lull in the middle. Um, but, but really, um, thought that, you know, it just felt like there was a little more flow. You saw some emotion. We talked about that so much that, uh, you know, starting with the Mbako lob to Galloway and, and that, uh, even saw Kula you know, crack a smile toward the end of the game. He's about yeah. as stone faced as they come. Um, I don't know if he was trying to take out the guy on the Minnesota bench when he swatted the the shot into him or not, but, uh, but, you know, so you see, it seemed like they were having a little bit more fun and I think that's what everybody, uh, you know, wanted to see. And so, uh, a Minnesota team that, as you pointed out before the game is not kind of what everybody has, you know, they've not played the way that they've played the last few years. They came in with some momentum and IU really jumped on top early, as you said, never trailed in the game, led for, I think, 39 minutes and 42 seconds. And, uh, I just thought start to finish. Yeah. You're going to have some lulls in there. I think any team is going to have that, let alone uh, a team, you know, a team like IU, but uh, really thought front to back uh, a really solid performance and hopefully one they can build on going into uh, a really tough stretch of games coming up. Yeah. Well said. All right, next let's go over to the coach, Bob Motes, one of the hosts of the new X's and Joe's podcast, which everybody needs to listen to Uh, coach. You're sitting in Ryan's chair. So unfortunately we're going to have to ask you to rant here to kick off the show. So just kidding. (laughs) Bob, your opening thoughts on this IU victory. 
first time in 48 years someone actually asked for that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they were there running the other way. Um, for So not, it, you know, it wasn't the most spectacular performance by any stretch of the imagination. But here's what was extraordinary for this team. All year long, they it's felt like IU has been more responsive than initiating on both ends of the floor that they're willing that they've been willing to give up or just allow teams to run their actions or allow teams defenses to dictate their actions and I felt for the first time that I've seen in a 40 minute stretch and there were some times again you had lulls in player sometimes where okay they dropped a little bit here or there but they took the bull by the horns and they owned the game from the outset and put Minnesota on their heels and forced, you know, Ben Johnson to, to adjust. We saw Minnesota play zone tonight against an IU team that was shooting 40% from three. Um, okay. Warning sign to anybody watching this on synergy, uh, you know, you know, whether whoever's got the scout for Purdue and the next four scouts, if you want to try and pack the lane so you can stop IU's post, go right ahead. You can do that. They're figuring ways through it. May not always be pretty. It may not always be textbook, but they're but they're getting the ball where it needs to be. Um, good example, real quick synergy hit. Um, on post ups tonight, Indiana Indiana had post up including passes. Indiana had twelve. Minnesota had eleven. And I think if you looked at this team two three months ago, you would have seen double that. You would you would have seen double that number from IU. So we're seeing less post feed. And we're seeing more cutting, seeing more. Uh, they actually did pretty well on ball screens tonight. Comparatively, they set their pace, and when they were playing at a higher pace, you notice they were they were not only moving the ball, but they were scoring and scoring very you know being very effective. Because again, why you, know, you don't need to necessarily run a set when the defense is already in flux, and if you're playing in transition or you're getting right into a quick hit set, a quick ball screen, what have you, a quick handoff, then you're you're going to be in much better shape. So I felt like IU did a really just from a standpoint of dictating the terms of the game. This was their best performance and then also not falling like when when they stalled out, they didn't collapse. And we've seen more, you know, at least we have an example almost every game this year where IU's had an issue. Their shots aren't falling, what have you, and all of a sudden you're looking at a tie ball game where the other team takes a brief lead before they rally and win or just the wheels fall completely off. So it's a growth win. I'll take it. Yeah. Well said. Well, I think the first storyline that I want to hit here is the play of McKenzie and Baco who entered the game, I think averaging around nine points per game. And Andy, you know, you get 17 points from Khalil Ware who we'll talk about, or yeah, from Khalil Ware, you get 16 from Malik Renew. They kind of did what they do. And the big difference tonight was McKenzie. You know, if he hits his season average, there's a 64-62 game, and it's tight down the stretch. But what we saw from McKenzie, I thought, especially in the first half, where he led Indiana in scoring, like get 14 first-half points, was a player much more comfortable driving and just showing many more layers to his offensive game. And he opened it up hitting a three. He hits a three on the second possession of the game. But then you saw him really drive. And whereas I think a lot of times this year – it's felt like he's kind of driving to drive because he's felt like he should. Tonight, I felt like he drove with a purpose and he was driving to find an angle. And, you know, if he would get stopped, he would hesitate and keep going or make a spin move. And we just haven't seen that level of confidence and aggressiveness from him as a driver. 
But you see the added dimension that it gives to Indiana offensively when he can do this. And so I think when Bob talks about a growth win, you know, there, there's a lot of areas we can talk about. But the, the most individual growth I, I saw tonight was McKenzie Mbako becoming the type of offensive player who can actually kind of change the equation a little bit for Indiana if he can be a guy that can score at multiple levels. And so that was the thing I was most excited to see, because if you're going to go beat Purdue next week, you're going to need a performance like this from McKenzie Mbako. His offense is just too important to what Indiana is trying to do. And I also thought it was one of his better defensive performances as well. Um, so your thoughts on McKenzie, uh, who I thought was just outstanding tonight overall. Yeah, I'll actually start with the defense first. There was a couple of times he got switched on to somebody in the post. He did a really, really good job. And I think that probably is where yeah. he's quite honestly a bit more comfortable, uh, you know, given, you know, how he would have needed to play in high school based on his size and things like that. I, I think, um, that's probably no coincidence, um, but also thought he put some good ball pressure on at times on the outside. Uh, I think the ish- areas where he really struggles is any kind of anything like communication based in terms of switching on guys. I know there was a couple of times they pointed and they pointed out one on the broadcast, uh, a broadcast which I largely zoned out on, uh, you know, midway through the second half because it was so terrible. But I was glad to hear that Andre Ware had a big game, uh, as she mentioned uh, at the as end. Soon as, as soon as Lisa now, Andre Byington- Ware, who robbed Anthony Thompson of the Heisman, as we all know. Um, and they made a subtle reference to the Nick Anderson shot. Like the whole thing was like a dig at IU fans. So this, this, I took that in a a bad direction. Bardo will never, uh, that may have been the, I mean, that, that the birth of his children might be the, to the top moments of his life right there. And and it might be a competition. I think it's close. Could be, could be anyway. Um, but no, I, th- I thought you saw some of that. I think that's something we've looked for from him uh, o- over the course of the season. But I think that helps because he's started to consistently make three-point shots. And defenses are having to play him differently. And even though in the Rutgers game he missed some open shots, he missed some open shots in this game. Um, but I thought he did a good job, particularly late first half, I think it was, when they had brought Dawson Garcia back in with two fouls. And he kind of went at him uh, and, and tried to you know get to the rim, thinking he would get fouled. On uh, some of those things, and I think he was scrapping. Uh, he he continues to kind of scrap on the glass. He didn't end up with a lot of rebounds tonight. Uh, I thought he was in there battling uh, at times, especially early in the game. He really got pushed under the basket um, a couple times, and I thought he adjusted to that within the game and, and played more physical uh, and was able to you know be more of a factor on the glass. So he got some offensive rebounds as one um, that Ware did a great job early in the game, kept the ball alive, and Baco gets it, puts it in uh, for a big bucket early, and and so. With him, it is so critical for him to see the ball go through the basket early in the game. It totally changes uh, what you can expect from him. And I thought the other thing that you saw, because he was playing so well, he was not the first guy to go to the bench tonight. Uh, And in most games, he is. Um, And and so I think it's a good thing for him from a mindset standpoint. I think we can talk some of the substitution patterns, which were different. uh, It felt like this evening. but, um, But I just thought that, you know, he earned that additional playing time. He earned not being the first one to go sit on the bench. And I think for for somebody who probably has had some confidence challenges, um, you know, trying to adjust to this level, I thought it was a great building block for him. And uh, hopefully one, again, you know, in what's going to be a great environment on Tuesday that, that he can really build off of because um, this team is so much more dynamic when he's on the court and they have to find ways. One of our first texts of the night was, I don't care what they have to do to try to you know cover for him defensively. He needs to be on the floor, and he proved why tonight. Bob, your thoughts on McKenzie's performance? Thirty-four minutes played, thirty-four minutes, which again, when when you keep that kid on the floor playing that way, 
you, you, that's what IU needs from that from that spot on the floor. Especially, I think um, it was Jared who said that you, know, you, you got what you're supposed to get from wear and renew. You have to have, I would say, with this team, at least two, probably three other guys jumping into double figures to be to 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 to, to get to the number of points you're going to need to beat the best teams in the Big Ten, which I think is that 75-ish point mark, maybe in some nights 80. Um, at, tw- at the 12.44 mark, Trey Galloway gets a steal, and they're running a 2-1 break. And we've seen yeah. so many times this year where we've just botched a 2-on-1 fast break. And, I mean, we run a, we run a drill actually stole from Purdue where we, we go 3-2 two to 2-1. So much of it's just to encourage quick decision-making, quick reads. And Galloway's got it about the three-point line. He hits Mbako. Mbako takes one or two dribbles. Galloway keeps cutting through and throws an alley-oop that, that, that Trey just slams down. At that point, Ben Johnson's hitting a timeout. And right after that, Minnesota commits a turnover out of the ATO. So... Those are the types of things that, again, you talk about a growth game. That's a that's a specific play that he made that was just complete. That was that was something that I don't think he would have done, you know, three months ago as effectively as he did. Um, and I, I'd also throw out just his driving. Even when he missed, it wasn't like he gave up on the play. Mm-hmm. Um, when he thought he got fouled and it wasn't called, he didn't give up on the play. And as a result, you know, because he's moving defenses by getting in there, because they're having to move help site over, uh, there were several sub- second chance opportunities that IU converted because they had a third driver on the floor, and we really haven't seen a whole lot of that this year. Yep. So there, there was a lot that Mbako did tonight that um, that was just it, that showed up on the stat sheet, and I think Andy hit the nail on the head. I think it is important for young players. Any player, but especially young players, to have the confidence when they see the, sh- the ball go through, it translates to other, to other areas of the game. The word of caution is he could show up a, on Tuesday and could have a rough a rough start, and it may be you know you, you never know with younger players. Um, it is, it it is something that, um, that 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 a player has to you know you have to just be accommodating as a coach and helping them work through it. So I I think at the end of the day, you know, you'll, 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 you'll take that. And I think he was, he was a key, a a key component to this team's win and like see more of this coming forward. So let's talk about the other big storyline, which was what happened with the point guard position. Obviously Xavier Johnson, we were kind of wondering what's going to happen. Is there going to be a suspension after what happened against Rutgers and nothing was officially announced, but he didn't start. Um, and even when Woodson was explaining this to Fish on the pregame show, he didn't, you know, say it was because of discipline. Um, I think maybe we can surmise that. Looks like his his quote coming out uh, after the game. He said in-house stuff, I guess, uh, when talking about that. So I'm assuming that's what he's alluding to. But you know, Andy, it, it's so interesting. I mean, Gabe Cups tonight does not score, goes 0 for five. You know, and we'll talk about some of his his shot selection questions that we have. Only has one assist, and yet. I thought he was absolutely essential to Indiana winning this game the way that they did because I thought the defensive tone that he set early on, both he and Trey, really made a big impact. I mean, he was just flying everywhere, getting deflections, making Minnesota uncomfortable. Frankly, it's the kind of stuff Xavier Johnson used to do defensively and that we just haven't seen from him very much. And we saw that from Gabe. And offensively, 
even though he's not scoring, and sometimes you know he'll take an early three, you know, off no passes where you're like, Gabe, what are you doing? The ball just seems to move and get to where it needs to go more. And so when you have guys like Malik and Khalil and McKenzie and, and Trey who are scoring as efficiently as they are tonight, not having that fifth scoring option really doesn't hurt you as much. And you know when X was in there. It's, I mean, it's hard to kind of assess his play tonight. He was very poor in the first half, you know, made several very questionable passes. You know, they kept him out there late in the game for ball handling and for free throws, and he made a couple of free throws. Um, but just in terms of the body language and some of the things you come to expect from him, um, you just didn't see a lot of that. And so, you know, I don't know what Indiana is planning on doing, you know, as we as we look forward to Tuesday. Does X get his starting spot back? Is this going to be, you know, what we're looking at for the new normal? All I know is tonight it was very clear that Indiana was much better with Gabe Cups leading the show than Xavier Johnson. And when you get good X, like you did against Ohio State, he can be a huge difference maker. And you might need that guy to beat Purdue, but if he's going to play like he did tonight, you're much better off rolling with Gabe Cups because everything on both ends just seems to function better. Yeah, I I mean, I 100% agree with what you said. For tonight, the team was dramatically better when Cups yeah. was in the game. Uh, I, I think... X had some moments defensively, but I thought Cups really just battled. And, you know, they clearly had the plan to go underneath some of the screens and force Minnesota's point guard to take threes. And he has a really weird-looking shot. Um, and, you know, just not squared up at all. Seemed like he was always kind of shooting sideways and whatever. So seemed like the right decision. But, but I think Cups is a guy we've talked about over the course of the year that does as good a job as anybody is fighting through screens. You know, he gets the one uh, offensive foul call to Minnesota in the second half. You know, they acted like it was some savvy move that he like grabbed the guy's arm. I'm like, no, the guy never came set and just was like a friggin' bulldozer going through and plowed into cups. I was like, that's not a savvy move. That's just a guy on the other team not setting a good screen. Um, you know, just you know, chuck that, add that to the list of uh, salient <laughs> points that were made by the broadcast team tonight. But, um, it, but I thought he just really battles on the end, and he got beat a couple times, and and and. And those things, but really battled, really put pressure uh, at the point of attack. And Woodson said as much in the, in the post game. He said, "All we're asking him to do is put heat on the ball." For the most part, he did a hell of a job doing that tonight. Hundred percent true. Uh, and I think on the offensive end, um, you know, as I, I joked about, we had this you know, this long text conversation about you know about his shot selection and things like that. My take on his shot selection is that he will pass up good shots to take a more difficult shot. <laughs> yeah. And my my thought on some of these is like I can kind of see like if you there was a there was a th- kick out three that he could have taken he didn't take it and I don't think he shot that possession but I think you would look at him and say all right well maybe that's just a freshman not being confident to take that shot in that moment but then some of the shots that he does take are like what in the world like that is extreme confidence to to try to take that shot um, you know and I think some of his shot mechanics uh, just in terms of balance and kind of fading one to one direction or the other are, are uh, a challenge in that regard. Um, but, but despite all of that, as you said, everybody else was really playing well. He handled the ball and initiated the offense in a way that allowed Galloway to not have to do that as much, um, and took some of the burden off of him doing that. Um, and, and then, you know, when Mbako's going and you got Ware and, and Renew playing well, you're, you're absolutely right. You don't need him to go out and score a bunch of points. You need him to get guys and get the ball in the right spots to get get it to your scores. If he's out there with a bunch of bench guys, then it starts to become a problem because somebody has to be able to step up and score. But, you know, this is where we talk about some of those things with you insert, you know, a quote unquote bench guy with some of the starters, the pressure that that takes off of them to do 
more than what they, you know, are, are being asked to do at this point. Um, just, it just makes a huge difference. And so, uh, thought he played really well remains to be seen what that'll look like going forward. But if you're looking at it on a game to game basis and you're, you're basing it on performance in this game, I, I would be hard pressed to think of a reason to come back and start Xavier Johnson. The challenge becomes, he seemed to me to be kind of sulking through most of the game. There was, he was in the background of a guy shooting a free throw one time with his head down, shaking his head after he turned the ball over and they fouled on the other end. He did the same thing coming off the court, ripped his, you know, thing off his arm, the you know sleeve off his arm. I don't know if that was because he thought he wasn't coming back in, if it was just frustration or whatever, just felt like he was constantly frustrated and, you know, continued to try to do too much. If that's the version of him that you're going to get coming off the bench, I think that also becomes a potential problem, but he could be a spark plug off the bench if he can really, you know, enhance, you know, kind of harness that and embrace that. Um, but that remains to be seen uh, what will happen there for tonight. Cups was the guy uh, and did a great job and, and, and earned the minutes that he got. You know, Bob, I thought Andy brought up a really good point there. When you have Cups playing like he does tonight, it really does free up Trey. And it's ironic because I feel like Trey ends up being a better facilitator and creator when he's kind of the secondary creator. And you saw it tonight. I mean, Trey had 10 points on really efficient shooting, four or five, but seven assists. But for the most part, when he was out there, Cups was, you know, the nominal point guard. But Trey was still doing as good of a job as you'll see of being a creator at the same time. And that's, you know, that's where Indiana really gets into trouble is when you, when you have to rely on Trey to be your main guy, he's not as adept at it. When he can slide into the role that he had tonight, that's where his sweet spot is. That's right. I like the use of the word sweet. Yeah, I caught that. <laughs> that's right. I got to pay royalties to Mike every time I use uh, yeah, it. Yeah, we it. all do. Cool. I mean, at this point, it's kids going to college thanks to us, thanks to that. Um, no, um, I, would, I would start, I, I think Trey Galloway is a power back. Yeah, uh, if you if you look at guards as running backs, Trey Galloway is that is the guy that you know he just gets a, you you got to get him a full head of steam. He hits the one hole, he hits a two hole, power sweep, what have you, um, just goes and doesn't have a whole lot of wiggle. His handles too loose to have that wiggle or not a whole lot of shiftiness either. It's basically two three speeds. So you design actions. Why that zoom action so good for him? Because he can just get a full head of steam coming up off of that off that baseline, get the handoff, and then make that quick read, which he saw. I know we're talking about Gabe Cups, but that's where you're talking about with the secondary ball handler. Why Galloway is actually in pretty good shape there. Then you want him doing that versus starting your offense. Um, I liked seeing Cups attempt to attack with the dribble more. Uh, this was the first time I think I can really remember him consistently throughout the time he was in a game using ball screens and not trying to go to using them as drag or trying to go through. It was more like he was looking to attack the lane with it. There, there was one where I kind of lost it a bit because I was like, ah, dude, you, you got right in the middle of the lane. You were 10 feet. You had a beautiful little jump stop. You even jump stopped. And then I'm going to overpass it. Yeah. And it was a time where IU had kind of been in a bit of a scoring wall, needed a bucket. And, that's what you if when you're when you're an opportunistic scorer when you're the guy that needs that who needs to have to, you know you need to take advantage of the opportunities and he had a perfect opportunity but I still think for him he's still trying to figure out shot selection at this level and the kid's a natural point guard he's a coach's kid so he's you know he's had plenty of rides home evaluating which shots were good and which weren't 
I'm sure sometimes the length, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure they were very, they, they were, you know, those are conversations that you learn a lot from. Um, I'm sure that he's seen, you know, and he's kind of watched that over the years watching, you know, and, and playing in that role. So um, you look at him when he, and I think the other thing he needs to really work on is he's obviously gaining strength. I think he's got a little wiggle. I think he's got a, a, a little bit of shiftiness. Um, he's more of a control pitcher, though. He's not going to be somebody who's just going to have massive amounts of speed. He's not like a Boogie Fland who's just going to attack, you know, F1 car acceleration. But he's going to be one of those guys that, yeah, he'll throw an 89-mile-an-hour fastball and then throw some breaking stuff in the 70s and then come back at you with an 89-mile-an-hour fastball. It's going, to look, it's going to look a lot faster. That's where his strength is going to lie on the offensive end. The other thing he's got to do is he's got to be able to catch and shoot quicker. Um, when he catches that ball, it's like, okay, Jay Wright says it best. You're never more open than when you first catch it. So if he's a little more decisive earlier on that shot selection, it prevents him from, and I'm just going to go ahead and throw out that one that I think drove all of us to fire text messages to everybody we knew, <laughs> where he kind of pump faked. And then he went into that, I don't know what that baseline that baseline jump shot, that that baseline pull up jump shot is that he has. It's like an homage to Keith Smart. I feel like it just. <laughs> it, it really, it is. And, <laughs> Which I respect. Don't get me wrong. I just, yeah, I, I respect it. But and and if you hit it in the Superdome for a national championship, dude, I'll put you on the wall. But I mean, I'm thinking that thing needs to be retired pretty quick. It's it needs to go away. Um, and I, I think that's part of it. It's just, you know, again, freshmen are going to do, you know, first-year players are going to make first-year player mistakes. And yeah. I just like seeing a little more aggressiveness offensively on him. Defensively, he definitely sets the tone. Um, as for XJ, I will give a positive on this kid. Um, when you have six years of college basketball experience, there's a pretty extensive book on how coaches are going to play you. And everybody, I think, in college basketball knows the book on XJ is if you get in his head, He's going to lose his mind and he's going to do something he's, and he's going to press it. He's going to push it. He's going to be, a, it, it, it's going to be an advantage for the opponent if XJ gets out of control. Yeah. And I think it was at the 930 mark. There was a, there was a bait foul on him where I, I think it was Hawkins ran right into him and popped him in the jaw and the two of them get tangled up and they did some tango going back towards the locker rooms. Yeah. And you got Bardo trying to make something of it. Oh, no, it's basically at that point, they're trying to push him, push him, push him. And well, how's he going to respond? And how he responded was he actually did a little hesitation move, got in the lane and probably delivered his best pass of the night to Malik Renew. Yep. Now, there were some other passes that he tried to deliver to Malik, Malik Renew or other people that it, it, he just hasn't got the timing down yet. But. It's um for for him that's it, it it's going to be I hope a faster road back and because he doesn't have that much time and I think at this point he just you know there's there's a lot for him writing on this going forward whether it's G League whether it's attempted you know going for his, for free agency or it's even getting a much better deal overseas he's got to kind of show in the next few games that he can recover from something like this pretty quickly. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought that was on a rough night for him. I thought that was his best stretch, yeah. keeping his composure and doing exactly what you want because he passed up an open shot on that possession too mm -hmm. to drive and, and get Malik the shot. So that was nice to see. Um, all right, as we finish up segment one here, just two reminders. 
Go to assemblycall.com. That is our Substack. Sign up for our newsletter. You can sign up for free. You'll get our weekly Six Banner Sunday newsletter plus other stuff. If you become a paid subscriber, it's a whole new world of content. Tony's IU Film Room, Coach's Coach's Corner, all that stuff. And also, make sure that you search for X's and Joe's wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Bob and Mike with some of the smartest college basketball talk that you will find anywhere. Uh, so make sure that you check that out. All right, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 12-point victory over Minnesota, we'll point out tonight's meaningful moments you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You're listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Romeo Langford. What's the only thing better than handing a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosers. The only thing better would be that shot beating Wisconsin in the Kohl Center. Yet another strike against Bardo and Byington for reminding us of that streak. So they were just playing all the hits. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Bob Motes. We are breaking down Indiana's victory over Minnesota. And it is time now for tonight's meaningful moment you might have missed. Meaningful moments that you might have missed. This segment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience IU athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans. To learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans, visit HoosierTicketProject.org. That's HoosierTicketProject.org. Uh, Coach, uh, Bob, the first uh, uh, moment that really stands out to me, I want to talk about Malik Renew a little bit. There was a play in the first half around the 840 uh, mark. Indiana had the ball on offense. Malik had it probably five or six feet from the basket, I think. But he had the ball low. And the little guard on Minnesota came over, stripped him, and then Malik just instinctively tries to reach back for the ball and picks up a foul. Now, one of the one of the bright spots for Indiana this season has been the development of Malik Renew. He has absolutely taken the leap from freshman, you know, that freshman to sophomore leap from being just kind of a role player to like a bona fide star in the big 10. That, that's what he's becoming. But I think now as we look for, you know, kind of places around the edges where he can get better, I thought that moment showed two of them. You know, one is just kind of his habits around the basket, or even just when he has the ball and is getting ready to do his patented little drive through the lane 
he'll still over dribble sometimes and he still gets the ball too low when he's got small guys swarming around him. So that's one. And the other, while he has really improved his, you know, his fouling, you know, you're not seeing as many of the silly fouls. And, and, you know, part of that is just not seeing him as much, you know, trying to guard guys on the perimeter and getting beat on the drive. But it does feel like maybe once a game, there's kind of a silly one, you know, and I don't think this foul was that egregious. I I know there were some people on Twitter who were saying he may not have touched him. Um, I'd have to go back and look at the film, but it looked like a foul in real time. And that's just one of those. You got the ball stolen. You're, you already have one foul. It's the first half. Just play on because you're too important being on the court. And so I think those are two little things that as he gets older and more mature and better are going to help him, A, stay on the court, and B, have more opportunities to score. And when you add those two things, now you're just going to be more efficient offensively because of how good Malik is. So I don't mean this as negative. I thought Malik played outstanding and did his typical thing where he kind of lays low in the first half scoring-wise and then picks it up in the second half. But those two things, I think, are things to watch as areas of growth for him. So um, at that point, Minnesota had shifted to zone. And it, it was yeah. – it, 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 they had done it again. And a few times throughout the game, they were shifting from man to zone. I think in many respects because they were having a tough time dealing with Indiana's cutting. Um, but I think the big thing for Malik in that situation is, yeah, not just holding it low, but – you know, it's, I think for him, and I think Ware has the same problem. And this is a problem that big, I have a theory on, 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 on bigs. Um, we train them to not be aggressive when they're younger. I think as they grow and I, you see this on the high school level, you definitely see it elementary, middle school, high school, where now if I get a kid who's, you know, about a right up to here, you know, four foot eight point guard in the sixth grade, that kid is going to want to go to the rim every single time and take on the biggest kid. But if I get that five eleven six foot sixth grader, usually we've got to work really hard to just get him to block out, to get aggressive. I, I think a lot of it's just, I don't know. It's something in child psychology. I should probably study this if I ever went back and get my master's in education. I, I mean, I could probably make some money on a book, but um, definitely the clinic scene. But uh, I, I think that's that's a problem that Malik has because those hands, the way they grip a ball, the way they handle. I think part of the other thing is, you know, we just as they're growing up, we don't really emphasize ball handling with bigs. And I think as time goes on, uh, something we're doing more and more in my programs and, and the stuff we're doing, you have to start teaching them to be better ball handlers younger because what you saw tonight with Renew Get it, chin it, look inside. You've got an option, and then step and go. You've got your you've got your look. But he was kind of holding it out there, and it was just too easy. And I think he was just responding to the contact. Yeah, Andy. I, I thought a couple things. Um, so I kind of you know the fouls. I thought his first foul was also something that he's prone to do, where he just kind of walks up under a guy while he's shooting, yeah. uh, where he's straight up, and he is, but he kind of walks up underneath him, and and. You know the the thing is, you saw him adjust within the game. He ends the game with two fouls, played a clean second half in that regard, and a couple of the things that um, that were really really good. Uh, we had some had some good buddy ball toward the beginning of the the second half. Uh, had a couple of nice lobs to to Khalil Ware. Uh, really in two different situations. Um, you know, they talked about one on the broadcast where you know Ware kind of gives him a signal, but there was another one where Ware just kind of almost cut right by him, uh, and then he threw it up to him. I thought that was really good. And then you saw toward the end, uh, this is a great one to have on film. You know, you everybody's used to that lefty hook, 
turn made one with his right hand uh which i think was his last basket of the game yeah uh and and kind of was the you know really was the final basket i think that erased any hope that minnesota might have had to really really cut it there so i think you're seeing him get more and more comfortable with different post moves and him being able to have a counter for people who are going to sit on you know his right shoulder uh and try to make his his lefty hook a little bit a little bit tougher um, thought he did that in, in Minnesota has some really physical bigs. Uh, and so I thought it was a good challenge for both he uh, and where, uh, you know, somewhere right now, probably at assembly hall uh, Pharrell Payne is still in the lane. Um, you know, we don't, <laughs> Andy was incensed about this during the game. <laughs> I mean, this dude, this dude is there like eight seconds. Like, I mean, I'm all for like, you don't have to be like the second you get to three, you got to do something. I mean, this dude was, yeah, he was in there, so he might still be there. Who knows? Um, when but, is that uh, ever called? I can't even remember the last time I saw that. Called. There was a, I think they called it in the women's game the other night, which was, I mean, it was oh. another one where it was like egregious. Like you couldn't have, I mean, apparently this wasn't egregious enough, but, you, 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 um, you, you want to see a five-out coach lose their mind? Get a three-second call sometime. <laughs> when you start thinking about open-concept offenses, you want to see you want to see me lose my mind? Oh, you got a three? What were you doing down there? Waiting for a pizza? Waiting for Grubhub? What's going on down there? I, yeah, so it, it it's one of those calls. You're, yeah, I'm sorry. I just wanted to. Uh, no, wow. you're, you're good. But I, I thought I thought he played well through some of the physicality, and I think some of the the size that they have um, forces him to be a little bit craftier because he's a lot of time he's not going to jump over somebody. Um, but I thought he still found ways to score and be effective around the basket. And, and like you said, Jared, as we've, you know, really come to expect from him, uh, you know, some of it was playing time in the first half where he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't score as many, but he ends up with 14 in the second half, uh, on six and nine shooting, just a, a really solid game from him. You know, one other moment that stood out, Bob, and it kind of piggybacks on what you were saying about bigs and aggressiveness the first couple of possessions of the second half were really bad by Indiana. I just thought it took him took us a couple of minutes to get into the second half, and we turned it over on both of those possessions, and both those turnovers were by Khalil. And on both of them, he got the ball down near the basket and just hesitated and wouldn't shoot it, especially the second one. I mean, it looked like he was close enough, and there wasn't – I don't know who was guarding him, but it looked like he could just turn around and score, and he was just very reticent to do so um, and a little bit weak with the ball. And so Minnesota you know, took it from him. And, you know, they, you know, they went down and scored. I'm thinking, uh oh, you know, here we go. I don't like how this looks, but to the team's credit and especially to Khalil's credit, they turned that around in a flash. And I think it was the next three possessions he scored on passes from Malik and Trey. I think, you know, uh, Andy mentioned him earlier, Um, but that was, that just kind of goes to your point. You still see that sometimes with Khalil where he'll get it. And he's not real quick and decisive with that first move. And he's never going to be overly strong with the ball. So a guy like Payne is just more physical than him. And, you know, he can get knocked off his spot and lose the ball and all that stuff. But it was really nice then seeing him just go back to his bread and butter. Okay, I'm not going to post up. (laughs) Let me be a cutter and a rim runner. That's what he needs to do. You know, do that. Step out and make your threes. That's your path to 17 points. It just doesn't feel like enough good things happen when Ware catches it with his back to the basket on the block for that to be something we go to quite as often as we do. But they adjusted very quick in the second half tonight, so it was all good. Khalil Ware, it's funny. I think IU has a six eight power forward who's basically a center and a seven-foot-plus power forward in a center's body. And that's, and, and it really, and, and, and the better passer happens to be Malik, <laughs> but the better, and I mean, it's almost like, again, we talk about islands of misfit toys. You're going to hear that here fairly soon too, where you have every team has players that are misfit toys and everybody's a yeah. misfit toy. But, um, 
I, I agree that you just he and and learning how to play with your back to the basket, especially at an elite level, is incredibly hard to do. And he's still going to need some time on that. So I think, yeah, he just needs to be more front facing. You know, and, and the thing is, you, you know, just to add on to that, I mean, you know, we come on here, we're talking about all these good performances. Like our seven foot center had 17 points, went two for two from three, 14 boards and two blocks. Like that is ridiculous production, you know? And I feel like sometimes I, I come on here and I look at the box score after the game. I'm like, dang, Khalil did all that. Cause for some reason, like there's just kind of a quiet nature about it while he's going through the game. And he just continues to produce like this. So, I mean, it just a really just a tremendous performance by him. We should not take for granted all the different things he's bringing to the team because uh, we saw them all tonight. Sorry, Andy, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I think what's interesting is I, I think you've seen him become a bit more physical on the defensive end and on the glass. Maybe yeah. not as much from a post-up standpoint. I, I would agree with what you said there. Um, but really thought, I mean, he's, he got some tough rebounds in traffic tonight. I think he... I mean, he had 14, but him tipping the ball out to other guys probably was another five rebounds for IU um, when he was kind of outnumbered in there trying to get, you know, trying to get rebounds. I thought he did a good job of of trying to tip it to others. And I thought even um, defensively, he was uh, he, he did a better job as the season has gone on of being able to force guys to catch it out further from the hoop. Uh, and so I think you've seen growth in the physicality there. And so maybe that comes around on the offensive end uh, as well. But, but I do think you've seen him do that. And and I, it, I coach texted about this earlier. I mean, he was really running the floor well, particularly at the beginning yeah. of the game. Uh, he made some comments after that they'd had some, you know, some tough practices and, uh, and, and things like that. And he, he really seems to be uh, responding to, to that. And, uh, you know, just continues, I feel like game after game to shed some of the labels that, uh, he was saddled with coming out of Oregon in terms of how hard he played and uh, different things like that. I, it doesn't matter to me what Big Ten team you play. You play, you know, the soft, low motor uh, comments go out the window and you get 17 and 14 against the Big Ten team. Hey, I mean, you know, we had that discussion two or three postgame shows ago. Where we were like, hey, are Big Ten teams going to start really being physical with this guy and will it make the production drop? No, <laughs> he's yeah. produced and they every are. game they're, since I mean, then. So yeah, I mean they're absolutely trying to do that, and I do think that still makes him uncomfortable on the offensive end. But but they, um, I thought they did some things that we we had conversation on the post game show about the other night of you know if you've got you know him and Malik in there having him be the the guy who's playing a little bit higher and Malik in the post. You saw some of that particularly against the zone. Yeah. Um, so I think they're figuring out ways to allow him to play through that when he needs to. Um. But like I said, I think if he progresses offensively against that physicality the way that it seems to me that he has on the defensive end and on the glass, I, I think he, there's still some upside uh, as you look at that part of it, even above and beyond what he's already been contributing so far. Coach, you have a moment. So back to the growth win concept here that I keep going back to. And I, I think at about the, about the, about the six-minute mark, uh, IU hadn't really, you know, from the under-12 – through the under eight, they were at sixty. You know, they basically scored, I think, two, maybe three points in this whole area in this whole span. Usually, for this team, that's a danger zone because then the other team hits a couple threes, gets themselves back in it, gets it down to you know under double digits. But at that six minute mark, they locked in on defense and they got a shot clock violation. And those are the little things I've been looking for from this team, which is okay. You've hit, and every team. I mean, you look at the team that you know Michigan State has and has always had major, um, major offensive lulls. 
but you're going to have to go through those. And the way that you get through them is that you just defend harder. And I think in that situation, now granted, they went down right down the floor, and then I think uh, Cups tossed it to Mike Woodson on the bench. But you still, you lock in on defense, and it will it'll basically keep you mentally in the game and keep you in control of the game and prevent, um, basically, the other team goes on a 6-0 run versus a 12-0 run. And that was, to me, a, 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 a moment that was very subtle, but something we haven't seen a whole lot of out of this team this year. So I was glad to see it. Yeah. Um, well said, Coach. Okay. Now time to go inside the numbers. Brought to you by Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. If you live in Bloomington or the surrounding areas and you want your taxes done right, contact our friend and Chat Mob Hall of Famer Megan Mahaffey, who joined us on last night's uh, episode number 1000. Uh, contact her and her team in Bloomington, Bedford, and Martinsville by calling 812-339-3334 or by visiting jacksonhewitt.com. Uh, you know, so numbers wise, I mean, I think there's two numbers that you obviously have to start with given what happened against Rutgers and against Nebraska, and that's turnovers and rebounding tonight, Indiana, only 10 turnovers. And there was a long time before they even committed their first one. Um, so they really did a much better job of valuing the basketball, got a little sloppy in the second half, but I thought, you know, when, when the game was close, I mean, they were really protecting the ball and that was a big part of the reason why they were able to build the lead. And the other one is rebounding. Um, Indiana ends up with 40 rebounds. Minnesota ends up with 42. But the number that I think is really important to look at is the offensive rebounding percentage for Minnesota. Uh, they grabbed 13 offensive rebounds, which was 31.7% of their misses. Uh, and if I look at their season average, they're grabbing 34% of their misses. So, you know, even though there were a few possessions where you still see, you know, two or three Indiana defenders down there and one opponent, you know, there are a couple times where one Minnesota player kind of out hustled or out toughed us for the rebound. On balance, this was a much better rebounding performance. You know, you got to look at it, you know, based on how good is that team? Do we hold them less than their average? And so even though that number 13 seems a little bit high, contextually, I thought it was a much, much improved rebounding uh, performance from Indiana. Uh, Andy, those were the two team numbers that really stood out uh, and made a big difference tonight. What else stood out to you? Yeah, a c- couple others I'll throw out. Um, assists, IU ended up with 17 assists on 26 made field goals. Minnesota only had nine. I, I forget who it was. They talked about that Minnesota really over the course of the season had assisted on a pretty high percentage of their uh, of their made field goals. And so, uh, you know, Hawkins ends up with six. He came in uh, one of the top assist guys in the country, but he also forced him to, you know, two of 12 from the floor by – uh, you know, kind of scouting report, letting him try to shoot. You know, a couple of other individual numbers defensively uh, for IU. You know, Camp Christie, two of 10 from the floor. Dawson Garcia ends up with 14 points, but he got at least four, probably six of those really late when the game had been decided. He was one when I was yelling about uh, not giving up points to help the metrics. Uh, you know, he gets a couple easy layups there, but I really thought they did. Yeah, the foul trouble took him out of it a little bit, um, but I thought they did a solid job defensively on – you know, a pretty balanced team uh, from a Minnesota perspective and, and forced some guys into some pretty ugly shooting numbers, uh, including the three of 20 that Minnesota was uh, from three-point range. And, and so this is a game where IU actually outscores their opponent uh, from three by nine points. Uh, IU six of 14, Minnesota three of 20. Um, and I thought IU continued to take pretty smart three-point shots, shot it, shot it well, um, probably even had some other opportunities to shoot ones that they passed up. But um I think a lot of good defensive numbers uh, overall for for IU, both collectively and, and individually. Yeah, well said. Uh, Bob, what numbers stood out to you? I'm going to pull out a couple. Actually, I'm going to pull them out from Synergy. Um, 
Indiana on spot up tonight was 1.214 um, points per possession on 14 spot ups. Uh, they had been lingering around one all year, so they did better on spot ups going back to the three point shooting ending was talking about. But that that also was you know, a couple of the drives they made, you know, coming off of a spot up or coming out of a level three ball uh, ball screen or handoff action. Um, and again, I love when this team cuts and in the second half they got they had 12 possessions off cuts which is a really high number for college basketball at this level. And they scored one point of pos- one point per possession on the cutting. When you have limited ball handling capabilities, you have to find ways to penetrate the ball that isn't slamming the ball into the post. Player movement can do that. And if you're cutting to the basket, if you're cutting to spots on the floor, if you're, you know, whatever you're coming off of with, even without a screen, uh, especially if help sides coming over, you know, you have cuts or if they're pressuring you on the perimeter and just making that, you know, making a back cut of some sort. Um, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. It's, it's pretty good for your, for your team at this point. So I think, um, you know, when you think about meaningful statistics, we're seeing, we are seeing evolution in this offense. Um, I remember Dan Hurley saying after UConn, I, you post, 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 post. I don't think it's that. I mean, I think that they're still going to use post, but I don't think they're going to use it at a level nearly the same as a Purdue's going to have to use it because I think they're finding different ways to get the ball where they want to get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, Andy, you know, one other number is bench points tonight. Indiana scores 12 bench points. They win the game by 12, but there was really only one guy who stepped up from a scoring perspective. And that was Anthony Walker. Um, you know, CJ had a couple shots. He missed them X, you know, hit his, a couple of free throws late. Uh, but you know, I thought Walker, you know, came in and really provided a spark early. I think he, you know, he had a, he had a couple of shots early. Uh, one was definitely a no, no, yes, uh, long two. Uh, he was the one person who made a long two. And so I think you can still, I mean, if we're going to ask questions about Gabe Cup's shot selection as a freshman, certainly the senior Anthony Walker needs to have some questions asked about his shot selection. But what you love about Anthony Walker is it's just, it's constant energy. You know, he's constantly, you know, moving and playing hard and just kind of making it hard on the opponent. And he'll just kind of hustle his way into plays. And so even though it wasn't always pretty, you know, nine points, he was actually, you know, one guy who had all his free throws, you know, three for three. Um, and that contribution was important tonight on a night when you, know, you just weren't getting much other scoring from the bench. Yeah, he was really critical. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. Cool. Uh, with Renew and Fouchable in the first half as well, he scored seven of those nine then. And, and as you said, just made a lot of energy plays. Uh, I'll give give coach credit to this. I mean, he, he's talking about looking at guys who are just competing on every possession and he, and he singled yep. out cups and Walker um, and, and Walker's just going to, you know, hustle his way into some points here and there. And even that, I mean, I was right there with you with the no, 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 yes shot, but that possession, I think was one of the first ones that, that Minnesota had gone to zone a possessions kind of going nowhere. And he yep. just stepped up and, and took a shot and made it. There was another three 
that he got open as they, you know, had a kick out and then swung the ball around. It just ends up with him, you know, percentage wise, not a great shot, but it was a shot he needed to, you know, take at that point. But, you know, one of the, one of his buckets was, I think, a you know, he really ran the floor well cups. I think it was cups threw it down to him and it was really on the heels. I think it started that five point stretch that I, I talked about early on where Minnesota had cut the lead. IU just goes, I think five straight possessions with, uh, without scoring, but you know, he really hustles down and, uh, and gets there for a layup, beats the defense down the floor, gets there for a layup where hits a three right after that leads back up to 10 kind of exhale a little bit and, and do that. So I just thought, uh, really stepped up with Renew uh, on the bench. And um, I mean, the free throws, making all three of his free throws at this point, uh, you know, they might want to, may need to build a statue of him somewhere. I'm not really sure <laughs> at this point, have him put on some kind of clinic. But I tell you what, though, what's what's funny about that is, I mean, he's a guy who really was struggling from the line. I feel like early in the season, um, you know, got to the line a few times and, and missed and and is shooting him more confidently there. And I think at least from a confidence standpoint, uh, certainly whatever he's doing, uh, in that area could stand to rub off on some of the other guys, uh, because that continues to be a struggle. And I know you, you know, mentioned this before, you know, Galloway misses a couple, you know, kind of your typical first one's long, second one's short. Yeah. Fans start like booing. Like, I mean, what are we doing? It's, what are you I doing? Mean, <laughs> it's absolutely like mental at this point with these guys. And so, yes, obviously the best way that you could, the best thing that you could do is to boo him after he, mm-hmm. after he misses, not to mention the fact that he's playing his butt off, uh, and having a really good game, but, uh, yeah, that continues to be, uh, you know, uh, glad it didn't come back to bite him tonight. Got a little bit better in the second half than the first. Um, just don't have guys who are stepping up there looking super confident. Even Mbako missed a couple uh, early, but then, you know, made the rest of his over the course of the rest of the game. So, um, you know, if you're looking at numbers to maybe be worried about, that's it. Um, but I don't believe that the path to fixing that is uh is paved with booze so maybe we could uh maybe we could cool it on that just a one thousand percent i go ahead jared i i just he 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 touched nerve with me on this one yeah no i mean look obviously we got to mention it we shoot 16 of 27 from the free throw line we're now 314th in the country as a free throw shooting team it's inexcusable it's frustrating it's disappointing it may cost us a game like all of that stuff and it's fair to talk about on a post-game show or in message boards or on Twitter in between games. Don't boo in the arena. <laughs> the guys are having a challenge shooting free throws. That is the most self-defeating thing I can possibly think of. So just that is that is low basketball IQ from the IU fan base. Don't do it. There, there was a moment when Bardo said something, almost threw something at the TV saying about Indiana fan entitlement, you know, somewhere in the second <laughs> half. And, and it's like, but he hears this and it's like, because... The people booing are thinking, well, if I were coach of this team, I would get these guys up at six o'clock this morning before they had their Wheaties and their orange juice, and we're going to shoot 200 free throws. And they don't get a chance to get their Wheaties till they hit 190. Yeah. If you don't make and them, you'll run until you can't eat supper. Exactly. And and I understand that it's that that it's a great feeling of nostalgia, may have something to do with the Frisch's big boy and gas stations where they pumped your gas for you. But <laughs> It, if you're going to have a night where you shoot this badly from the line, this is the night where you want it. Go out and against Purdue, go 25 for 30. And that, you know, now if you do the same thing over and over and over again, that's one thing. But you're getting to the line. That's critical. You could hit more. You should hit more. All that's true. It is frustrating to watch. But yeah, the the, the booing of your own. 
And especially, again, it wasn't like this team was out there basically just running around in circles. I mean, these guys were playing hard. So Yeah, they weren't loafing or anything. No. I mean, I mean they're, they're putting everything, they're, they're leaving everything on the floor. They're having yeah. probably their, they're having their best overall performance they've had all season, at least from a standpoint of just team play. Appreciate it. You know, you pay good money for those seats. You want to boo, sit at home and yell at, your, yell at the dog. Hey, yeah, and look, this fan base is incredible in terms of like support for victor per victory over the last twenty five years. There's no there's no fan base better. Very smart. This was one moment where let's be better, y'all. Come on. And can, and and be in their defense, that. because Assembly Hall was so amazingly quiet when our team shoots free throws, it was probably six dudes, yeah. you know, who were doing it, and it obviously got caught up on the mic. So I I'm not no. You had eighteen thousand people there, seventeen thousand nine hundred. 82 of you, thank you. you yes, know. but the others, be better. Yeah. Be better. All right, coming up on the Assembly Call in our final segment, we are going to hand out our Game Balls and Hoosier Hustle Award. We'll discuss a lingering question or two, and then we'll look ahead to that big game on Tuesday against Purdue. That's next on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Zizloft, I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Nick. I always like choosing the Zeisloft soundbite for the Minnesota game, because I always think about that game up in the barn. Was it 2016, where we just played awful in the first half, and Zeisloft saved us by making like five threes. One of them, I think one of them was kind of like the cup's fading shot, where he's just like fading out of bounds, and he made it, so... Always remember that uh, that performance by Nick, which is excellent. I'm Jared Morris, here with the coach Bob Motes, Andy Bottoms. We are breaking down Indiana's impressive uh, and growth victory over Minnesota tonight, as Bob uh, referred to it. It's time now for our Game Balls, presented by our friends Allie and James at Bloom Environmental. They want to make sure everyone knows about radon, which is a colorless, odorless, radioactive gas that is the leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers. And according to the EPA, Monroe County and other surrounding counties throughout Indiana are expected to have elevated levels of radon above the action level recommended for mitigation. Contact Bloom Environmental today. Mention the assembly call and you will get a free radon test kit and mitigation estimate. You can learn more at bloomenviro.com. That's bloomenviro.com. And I know folks in the audience have been doing this. Um, so keep it going. Uh, support Allie and James. Go to bloomenviro.com. All right, guys, game balls. Uh, Coach Motes, you can lead off. I think game balls, Mbako. Uh, Mac gets the game ball tonight uh, for all the things we said earlier. And just again, you know, you, 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 don't, you, you don't have the performance you have unless he was doing the things he was doing, especially in the first half, both offensively yeah. and defensively. Yeah, good call, Andy. Who gets your game ball? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the same way. Not just because any you know preseason prognostication I had is heavily invested in uh, Mackenzie Mbako, uh, but <laughs> but anything to help him get his average up to anywhere near where I said it might be, uh, I'll take. But you know, one one of the comments that Woodson made after the game, all, all kidding aside, is you know it's just not it's not just that easy to walk into college basketball and be great. If it was that easy, everybody would be doing it. And and kind of went on to talk about that Mackenzie's still working on things and. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I think you've got to figure out ways to have him continue to incrementally get better defensively. Um, but you're going to have to figure out ways to cover for him and, and look past that because on a team that is so really reliant on 
wear and renew. Um, you need somebody to stretch things out a little bit. And he's pretty much proven at this point he's the best shooter, has had a lot of near misses, and so his percentage could be a little bit better than what it is. Um, but it's great as you think about being able to put some of the stuff on film that he did tonight, being able to step out and make shots, now showing that drive game. He's not just a one-dimensional, he's going to go stand by the three-point line and do that. And and I do think he's battling and playing harder. Um, there's obviously always always opportunities to improve, and I think he can hopefully continue to get better uh, on the defensive end. But I think, at least I hope, uh, it's a big game for his confidence because if you're going to go into this next set of three games that IU has looming, um, you're going to need big performances from him uh, to be able to do that. And, and Purdue is going to put him through the ringer defensively and put him in positions of conflict and trying to figure out you know, what decisions he needs to make. Um, but he's got to be able to offset that on the other end and, and be a dynamic scorer uh, for this team. And, and tonight he was, and so uh, he gets a game ball for me, which is pretty tough to not give it to a guy that had 17 and 14. Um, but I think his performance was that important because it got them off to such a good start. Yeah, I was. I just found myself really proud of McKenzie tonight. You know, I just thought this was such a great game for him from a mental standpoint. Really showed a lot of growth on both ends, and I thought it was an excellent primer for his uh, twenty-three point breakout performance that's to come <laughs> on Tuesday uh, against Purdue. Just, just gonna throw that out there. Um, but I would actually, I would give my game ball to Khalil. Um, I think all the points that you made about McKenzie are excellent, and I agree. And it's kind of a two game ball type of night. But man, when your seven footer can give you 17, 14 and add two assists and two blocks to it, uh, that's massive, you know? And I just thought I, I was just, I was really impressed with, you know, just the, that quick adjustment at the start of the second half, you know, where he turns it over a couple times and then just, you know, comes right back and does what he does best, you know, and Malik and Trey found him, um, and that allowed Indiana to, you know, kind of push that lead back out, which I thought was really important. So, uh, McKenzie gets it and he is very deserving. Uh, but I just wanted to throw in a vote for Khalil there because, you know, as, as it's one of those things like this keeps happening more and more. And you're like, yes, we just expect Khalil to go get 16, 17 points and be in double digits and rebounds. Um, and so we, we just want to make sure we don't take that for granted because uh, this guy is just a, a really good player. Uh, he's been everything Indiana could have asked for and more so far this season when he came over uh, from Oregon. And so that's wonderful to continue to see. All right. Next up, who's your hustle award? Hi, this is Anthony Leal, and it's time for the Hoosier Hustle Award. But first, let's talk about my friends at Security Pro 24-7, who provide trusted and reliable security for your event or business. From Bloomington, my hometown, to Evansville, where Coach Calvert Chaney grew up, and everything in between. Just like hustle can't be measured by stats, prevention can't be measured either. Why did that happen again? But it has a huge impact on your bottom line and peace of mind. So let the security pros at Security Pro 24-7 help you prevent a bad outcome today. Visit securitypro247.com to learn more. That's securitypro247.com. And tell them Anthony Leo sent you. All right. Thank you, Anthony. Okay, hustle award time. Andy, you lead off. Boy, this is a, this is a tough one as well. Um, I, I'm going to go. how it should be. Hustle award should always be a tough one. I will say that is true. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Khalil for this one. Uh, I was down hey. to him in Galloway. Um, you know, to me, this is about a guy really working hard. And I thought that Ware worked really hard on the glass. Um, I, I just continue to, to be impressed with how much he's improved in that area 
uh, from a physicality standpoint. Obviously, he has physical tools that allow him to elevate over uh, over others. Like the one pass he caught in the first half, like how in the world he got his hand on it. Now he didn't convert the shot, but I was like, I you know, I'm sure this pass is going to sail out of bounds, and he just ri- rises up and gets it. But uh, thought he worked really hard on that end, uh, ran the floor well. Um, so I'll give it to him. Galloway was the other guy that I talked about who I'm sure will probably get somebody's vote at least. So I won't, uh, steal anybody's thunder on that, but I'll, I'll go with Khalil. I thought it was close between the two of them. So I'll give him the, give him the nod. That's good. I think you could probably make a reasonable argument for four or five guys for this, which is a big part of the reason why this was Indiana's best performance of the season. So. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you could, you could pick cups, you could pick Walker. I, I think yes. you've got, uh, I think those would probably be your four, uh, at this point, but yeah, you're a hundred percent right. Coach, I, I was going to say if we ever gave one for a team award, tonight would be the night to do it. Um, because again, yeah. I think everybody did did something in that, and and consistently consistently did something in that area. Um, yeah, the temptation to go with Ware is pretty you know, pretty cute because not only did he hustle, you know, not not only did he do stuff on the offensive end of the glass. Remember how much we loved Dawson Garcia four years ago, and we're praying that he showed up to Indiana in <laughs> IU uniform. I do recall owned him in that first half. You, you you take you yeah. know, basically cut the head off of off of Minnesota, put them in a scramble mode. In spite of that, I'm I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Galloway, you know, the, the the Galloway move on this because I think all night long when IU needed a spark, a guy to be in the right place, right side to play opportunistically, Trey Galloway was that guy, helping with a key defensive stop. I think a big reason why IU held a pretty good three point shooting team for to three of twenty from three was because Galloway got off the nail got out there and you know there were, the one one of them they hit he was basically right there and you know they 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 were they could have been called roommates they were living so close so he was there um all night long so I'll go with Trey Galloway um some key rebounds at some key times some key blockouts little things like that that he just kept doing all night long yeah um love it when when there's just so many guys that we could choose from and Andy I thought you made great points on Khalil Ware uh, and I think, yeah. you know, Gabe Cups definitely deserves some mention here, as we talked about, just for really setting the tone. Uh, but Trey gets it for me. You know, he finishes with 10 points, three boards, seven assists, and four steals. You know, and a lot of those steals were, you know, were really big and, and got Indiana going in the other direction. Um, but it was just, you know, it's great to see Trey playing like this. You know, that he 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 knows what's coming on Tuesday. He's been a guy who's always stepped up for uh, for the rivalry games, and uh, so this was just a nice little primer for him as well uh, to round into form. But you know, there are there are some games where you need a little bit more scoring from Trey, um, and tonight you didn't. You know, and so his ten points were passable. And it was nice to see him not force anything. You know, the four, you know, getting 10 points on five field goal attempts for Trey Galloway is outstanding. Um, you know, because you you get rid of some of those times where it feels like he's kind of just trying to force something because someone needs to do something, but it ends up being a very low percentage shot. He didn't have to do any of that tonight. And so I think what you saw tonight is Trey Galloway playing the role he should play. And when McKenzie scores like this, he bumps Trey down one spot in terms of having to score. And now Trey can do all the other stuff. And, you know, Bob, like you said, you know, kind of be just that that power back, you know, that can just drive through the defense and make things happen. Um, and so you saw his hustle and hard play also be combined with efficient, smart basketball tonight. And he's a really good player when he does that. Um, and I think he's a really good player more often when he's playing the role that's conducive to his skills. And he was able to do that tonight, which was excellent to see. Well, and I think you know, we, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but just him not having to bring the ball up the court 
um, yep. you know, with Gabe being able to do some of that and give him a little bit of a break in, in that, you know, cause last year when Huchifino, if he got in foul trouble, you know, Trey's bringing the ball up the court, doing all this, like the more that you're piling on him. And I think we've talked so many times about, he's trying to do, you know, three different people's jobs and, and things like that. And I think it, um, seems like a little thing, but it's something that, you know, him not having to be that, you know, primary initiator of the offense is, is good. And, and the steals was a, a big one as well. He made some really good reads on what Minnesota was doing and got in passing lanes and, and did a really nice job in that regard too. Uh, all right. So lingering questions. Look, I think the, the, there's an obvious lingering question and that is what do you do with Xavier Johnson? Um, my thought on this right now, and coach Motz will kick this to you first my thought is, you know, based on what we've seen from X since he's come back from injury, which is bad game, good game, bad game, you know, and then whatever you want to classify tonight as. I certainly don't think it was a good game, you know, did, you know, make a few plays. But, you know, overall, when you see some of that body language and some of those things, it leaves you feeling a little bit uneasy. I think with where he is right now, you know, and, and obviously, you know, Mike Woodson's going to continue to play him as he did tonight. I would keep him on the bench right now. And essentially treat him like a bench guy where, okay, we're going to give you minutes in the first half. If you're playing well, then I'll ride you in the second half, like I do with other guys. And maybe you kind of become the de facto starting point guard in the second half if it's one of your good nights. But if not, then maybe you only get 12 to 13 minutes and you're there to spell Gabe. uh, And that's it. Because I think right now, you know, what we need from X is a six-year point guard and what we're getting, there's a huge gulf between those two things. And so I think you can't just start him just because he's the six-year guy and just because he's a captain. His play has to warrant it. And so with him being so up and down, he kind of fits the profile of bench guy that you roll in and he might be a difference maker one night and play 28 minutes. And another night, maybe he plays eight minutes because he just doesn't have it. And until he earns the trust back, I think that's a fair role for him to have. What say you? 96 hours is a long time. You know, there's a lot that can happen in 96 hours and that could be good, bad, or ugly. And I, I think part of this is, and and this is where Mike Woodson, you know, anymore, when I talk to coaches about coaching, we'll talk set. No, we don't really talk sets. We talk flow on offense more times than not, you know, how's the ball getting or defensive schemes, you know, all those types of things are, you know, player decision-making. But when we really talk about coaching, we talk about personnel management. How do you handle your players? And the longer we've I've stayed in this and the longer, and I don't care what level you are, because the difference sometimes between 12 and 24 is some facial hair and a driver's license and the ability to buy beer. You know, you 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 see some similar things with from the kid that I'd be coaching at XJ. One thing I think I liked about Mike Woodson uh, tonight with him was he pulled him out after something rips his thing off, and then as soon as he could, the next opportunity got him back in. I think Woodson knows that he can that he he's just got to figure out now how to push the right buttons. And the question's up to Xavier Johnson, are you gonna are you gonna how are you gonna respond to this? And we've seen him respond in the past. You know, after Northwestern and he had, you know, was benched for that game, he came out and after that game had an amazing stretch of basketball for this for this for this team. Um, but I think again, it's, it's a thing where is you, you just got to be able to manage your personnel. And I think XJ, you can get into a little more, uh, than you can other players, because I think that there is a toughness to there or a, a different type of toughness, 
but I also think at the same time he needs he needs to see his path back and he needs to figure out how to kind of get himself back. And as and by the way, it's not just with Mike Woodson. There are what ten other guys that oh. you know. Okay, you're the captain. Well, if you're the leader and you look behind you and there's nobody there, then you're just the guy. You're just the guy on the street corner yelling. You know, you you've you've got to you've got to be the guy. And you've got to get buy-in back from your teammates. And if you're hitting them in the ankles with passes and you're getting mad at them in practice because they're missing this or whatever, then that's there's going to have to be a little more than just Xavier showing himself here. And I, I think they're past you know, a team meeting. I'm not sure any of that would even work. I mean, I'm sure Mike Woodson even give it a shot, which I, I, not just, I think he's more that subtle leadership, but... I really see that 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 that's going to be his road back is not just going to be getting Mike Woodson and the staff's trust, but also getting his teammates back as well. And the question is, okay, you know, that's and and that's where your care, you know, that's where you have to kind of do the character building and kind of move forward. And and I should say, Andy, as I kick it to you, it's always important, as, you know, as, as people analyzing the team, where you only get to see little snippets of them twice a week to have humility when it comes to what decisions are made with the lineup, because there's a lot of this stuff gets determined in practice. And so there's a chance that X is just off the charts, motivated and awesome in practice. And then maybe that would change the equation. So I'm basing this just off what we see and a little bit that we know about behind the scenes type stuff. Um, But it is important to at least, I think, flag, you know, I'm not saying I know the exact best thing. That's what I would do based on the limited info I have, but it's an iceberg and most of it is below the surface that we don't know. So I just wanted to point that out before you go, Andy. Yeah, I I think... I would lean toward what you said. Um, some of that is recency bias from watching this game and feeling the way that we've we've talked about after this game, and and part of that is inherent in doing a show right afterward. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna have those thoughts. I think in a bigger picture, you kind of look back um, at, at him and you try to put yourself in his shoes to figure out like how is he feeling? What it what is what is really going on with him? I think you. You look at a, 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 a you missed most of last season. You watch the team have a really successful year, uh, all things considered. You're watching that from afar. I think you're saying all the right things in terms of, you know, I'm I'm learning to watch the game and and I'm seeing different things over here as as he talked about. But you come into this season and you come back knowing that this is it and knowing how much pressure is on you. Didn't really get off to a good start. Gets hurt again. Um, come back with all these things. I mean, he's an emotional player to begin with. And so he's one that I think you're constantly from a coaching perspective, trying to figure out how to keep him between the lines, but not take away the things that make him impactful. Uh, and I think his first year with IU, you saw they got to that sweet spot at the end of the year. Um, there were rocky roads to get there and they got, to, <laughs> and they got to that, you know, they got to that point okay. with him. And he never got a chance to get to that point last year. And he hasn't gotten to that point this year, partly because of the injuries. You've got a lot of new pieces. Um, and so I think he's just struggling to figure out how to fit into all that. And I think what's hard is, you know, you, he can sit back and watch and, and, and say, probably see the same things that we are, is the flow of things looks better with him not out there right now. Um, and... I think if you if if you kind of look at what he's done in similar situations over the past, whether it's an in game or whatever, like he's one who's more likely to push the issue. 
and try to do it. And I don't think he is really able to like ratchet it down and try to figure out how to just be a part of that right now. Uh, I think he can get there. I think we saw him get there a couple years ago. Um, and so that's why coach Woodson makes a lot more money than we do to try to figure out what the right way is to get him on that path and get him back into that place. Because, you know, ultimately for as good as we can say the team look without him tonight, if this team's going to reach its ceiling, the same things hold true that we talked about at the beginning of the season. He has to play well. He has to be a key factor. He has to be a distributor, really push the pace and, and do some of those things. And so it's just a matter of how you can get him back there. And I think as you spin ahead to these next few games, like these are tough games in tough environments against tough teams. How, you know, is that the greatest situation for him to get in that sweet spot when he's already going to be naturally amped up. So, you know, we'll find out that could be a great thing, um, uh, you know, for him, maybe the emotion and the energy of the crowd really helps him focus on some of those things. He's had some success against Purdue uh, and, and being able to play in some of the pick and rolls and things like that, that they were able to do effectively a couple years ago when they almost beat him uh, in, in Mackey arena. I think that, Maybe there's some confidence that comes from that, but he's a guy that's just searching right now and they got to figure out the best way to get him back to that confidence. And for him, that may be throwing him in the deep end. I'm not really sure that that's true. I'm not sure that's what Woodson is really, you know, prepared to do at this point or finding some path to easing him back in. That is something like what you said, or maybe something a little bit different. TJD must be doing something awesome because everyone in the chat mob is talking about him. So he, the last TJD time I highlights apparently the, uh, I looked a minute ago, he was, uh, I guess it's a little bit different now. He's played 15 minutes and has 13 points in there. Plus 19 when he was on the court. Jeez. He's I think a minute ago I looked, he played 12 minutes and was plus 20. So <laughs> he's so good, you know, so good. All right. Well, you know, the other lingering question is what team are we going to see on Tuesday and what does this team need to do? Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> I know. Although, okay, I, you know, we say that. We say we don't know. No, but I think I, the one thing we kind of know about this team is in important games at Assembly Hall, they have stepped up. They did it against Kansas. They did it against Ohio State. They did it tonight. Now, they didn't against, you know, the armies in the Florida Gulf Coast, but perhaps when there is a name brand on the jersey, and especially your rival, I think we have seen from this team that when they dig down deep and they're focused and they do the right things, they can be pretty good and they can compete with good teams. So I actually feel relatively confident that we're going to see that group. That said, we know how good Purdue is and they're good enough to come on the road and beat an Indiana team that's even playing very well. You know, they are on Kansas's level. So my question to both of you, you know, as you look at kind of the keys to the game, you know, more than just, you know, having good X and the, the kind of the givens that we know probably need to happen. What are a few key things that you're looking at in terms of maybe areas where Indiana can really take advantage of this Purdue team, um, assuming they come ready to play? Coach, do you have any in mind off the top of your head? So the three things, um, real three three quick points. Two of them are defensively, one of them offensively. The first defensive point is you got you you got to get into Purdue early and pressure, pressure, pressure. You can't let ED establish position. You can't let them just run their sets because they're so set reliant, they're so system reliant. They're not great creators. It's it's either we get something off the set or we pump it into Zach and we try to figure out how to get something out of a read and react situation based on the doubles. 
So that's the first thing is that you got to disrupt them. You got to disrupt the passing lanes, extend pressure as much as you can throughout the game. I would love to see them if, you know, and this is where having a, having a, having an engaged XJ is essential because you put Gabe cups and Braden Smith's a heck of a point guard. Um, he's again, very, just very good, very shifty, very crafty. Um, but if you can just disrupt their flow and their timing on their offense and also, because on paper you match up very well against them, and you also have to make sure you're covering either Trey Kaufman or Caleb first or Mason Gillis. You know they're three, they're 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 three guys who also should be playing point guard, based on what they were promised in recruiting. Um, you know, uh, it's just such an easy dig. So yeah, that's that's your first area. The second thing is you got to vary coverage on Zach Eady. Um, I would say you know there's times where I think Khalil Ware could get in fr- would confront him. This could also be a game where you see Peyton Sparks just go in there and club him a few times just for just just because <laughs> just be, you gave the guy the scholarship. <laughs> Sparks was brought here for. Yeah, you're, you were brought here to beat up Zach Eady. You know, just knock. You get five, but make him count. Seriously, make but him feel it. Absolutely. Make him feel it, and and just kind of get you know and and knock him. Don't let him establish deep position. He's going to do it a few times. It's just the way. You know, it's it's just the rule. You know, the, the order of the universe. I think offensively. The handoffs are going to be effective against them. I think the more they can put Edie away from the rim in some sort of drop coverage and moving his feet against Renew, against Ware, uh, against Anthony Walker, the more they can kind of create some help dilemmas for Purdue also. And if they can, again, do what they've done, and really they've done this the last couple, the last couple three games. Actually, I would say since the new year, they are getting good level three actions where they're hitting the lane, they're finding shooters on the perimeter because I think Painter will initially try the let's pack this puppy in. Let's see if it'll see if Woodson tries to cram it in there. I, I, and I could be wrong about this, but I, I do think that Indiana just needs to use those advantages because on paper, these to me, they're two evenly matched teams. You look at the tail of the tape, you look at all the, all the potential things there. They actually match up pretty well. Um, but I think at the you know in the end it's, you know again it always comes down to execution always comes down to who puts the orange thing through the orange thing more times than the other guy it's an easy game that sort of stuff but it, it's really I think for IU they're going to have to they're they're, they're going to have to do what they did tonight which is they're going to set the tone they if they let Purdue set the tone they're going to walk out losing by twenty on their home court and it's going to be one of it, and it's going to be a rough couple three days after yeah Andy yeah it'd be interesting I feel like. I'll, defensively against Purdue, uh, it seems to me, I use probably didn't do this as extreme as like Michigan State did last year. Like they really opted to let Edie get his and try to take everybody else away. I think I used done that to a certain extent, probably not to quite that extreme. Um, Nebraska, on the other hand, did essentially the opposite. They tried to take him out of the game, basically picked a guy that they were going to, you know, try to make beat them. Uh, over the course of the game, but did as good a job as anybody of really kind of taking him him out of it. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that IU is going to vary what they did dramatic against him defensively dramatically over what they've done over the last couple of years. I think they've got bodies to throw at him um, to you know to try to try to make him earn it. I think you know the same. I you can't fall victim to some of the same things that they've had issues with defensively. They've got to figure out ways to not give up easy baskets on offensive rebounds. And they've got to be able to to find shooters and locate guys to try to run them off the line. On the offensive end, I think they've really 
traditionally done a good job under Woodson of putting Edie in difficult positions defensively where he's uncomfortable. So in that drop coverage, Galloway's had good games with making his floater. But Shafino, uh, with all those mid-range jumpers uh, a year ago, I, I knew you were looking. I could see you looking <laughs> for it as you're. And um, you know, and I, and I think the other thing is uh, in, in a different way than what I use had. Um, in the last couple of years with Trace, you do have bigs who have a chance to pull him away from the basket. He can't just sit in the lane and let Ware and Renew stand or Renew, whichever he's assigned to guard, just stand by the three-point line um, because those guys have proven that they can make shots from there. So I think that's a positive and, and puts another dilemma on him defensively. I think that's really what you have to, you know, you have to do. And, and you do need um Xavier Johnson to be able to to step up in this game. I think his speed could be a difference in the game. Uh, his passing can be a difference in the game against uh, you know against somebody like Edie in those pick and roll situations. So, uh, for as much as we said, you know, maybe he doesn't need to start. Like they need him to be able to step up and and have a good game. And and like any of these games, you you probably need to get a little bit of a contribution from somebody that you didn't expect. Um, so don't know who that might be. Maybe that CJ Gun comes in, gets hot, hits a couple threes. Um, to give you a spark uh, and some of those things. And I think the good thing about playing in Assembly Hall in a game like that, there's lots of good things about it, right? right? But for a team that generally doesn't look like they play with a ton of emotion, they will inherently play with emotion in that situation. You even saw some of that tonight with Galloway after the alley-oop and and some of those things. So I think that can be an equalizer. You know, Coach put it in the chat well and said, uh, I think, you know, IU has to play a really good game. Purdue needs to probably be a little bit down. Uh, from what they did, but I think if I you can try to identify some mismatches or things that they feel like they can take advantage of as they have uh, last couple of years, then um, you know it'll it should be a good game. And that one I believe is on Peacock, right? I, think I it's believe seven, I think it's seven o'clock tip on Peacock. I believe that is correct. I mean, God forbid we got to listen to Stephen Bardo for a third straight game. I mean. <laughs> can we well, not like this guy has to be on different channels services? Like, I mean. I'm gonna charge Robbie. me. Probably I'm charge Robbie Humble. I would. I would hope. It'll so. probably be. Yeah. I'm I, betting I, Robbie I'll Humble. Take, I'll yeah, take Humble. Could, He's able yeah. to be. Humble's able to be objective. Even yeah. You could charge me why. more for Peacock if you would tell me that Stephen Bardo <laughs> would never do the game. I know that's not what it was on tonight, but. <laughs> So that game is Tuesday night. We, of course, will have another episode of the Assembly Call immediately following. Also, just want to give a heads up on a special episode of Doing the Work that is coming up. Uh, Sunday, January 21st, post-game show after the Purdue game. That will be their 100th show, which is very exciting. Uh, so they'll be doing a home field apparel giveaway for people who are there in the live chat. So there's a, a good incentive to be there live, in addition to just getting the great discussion from Kathy and Jeff. Uh, that we get. And they'll also have a show after the Indiana Iowa game, assuming that it gets played. Uh, don't quote me on the time. Sometimes they don't always go live immediately after, um, but that show will be happening. Did you, did you say something, coach? No, I was just thinking, isn't the game two o'clock tomorrow? Is it? I, I yeah. No, it's, it, the I thought it was game. later. It's, it's eight tomorrow night. It's, it's prime eight. Time. Prime okay, time yeah, on the because they you. still have to, I think they have to fly yeah, the in tomorrow morning. the team is flying out in the morning because okay. of the weather. Yeah, yeah that's okay. wild. Thank you. I was completely, because I was, that's the one I'm going to want to tune in and watch. Oh, yes. That rivalry is fun and intense. So, yes. Looking forward to that one. Um, all right. Well, you're listening to the Assembly Call. Remember to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel. Use the promo code HOME23 to get 15% off your first order. Gentlemen, time for last call. Coach, you can go first. Beat Purdue. 
there we are. You know, at this point, you know, everything up to this point has led to this moment where you've got a top five Purdue team coming into assembly hall, a hall you've got, um, you, you, you're, you're, you've got a young group of kids uh, who are mercurial to say the least. It's, it's uh, young teams. This is what you get sometimes where you, you'll see one day they look like world beaters. The next day they look like the world's beating them down. I remember 1990, uh, that 80, that first Calvert season. And there are some similarities where it's like, these guys are going to be really good or boy, these guys aren't, I mean, they're just, just, they, they're, they've got stuff to figure out. So go beat Purdue on Tuesday. And if that doesn't happen, then regroup and get through this next stretch. Cause if you can go one for three in this next group, I think it's going to be better for this program moving forward. And anything better than one and three is just going to be gravy for them at this point. Greg Graham did learn how to recover coach. He did eventually (laughs) quite well actually Uh um andy last call yeah i mean as for this game uh i think a good bounce back performance one of the more complete performances we've seen this team give uh over the course of the season and i think if you want to um take the optimistic viewpoint then then you look at this as a springboard they responded to playing really poorly in the rutgers game with the with the more complete effort uh and so uh, I think a lot of positives to take away from the game. Like any game, there's going to be things that you can nitpick and film and say this could have been better and should have done this. But I think, you know, what you look at tonight for me is move the ball well offensively for the most part. Had a lot of different guys contribute, um, and and guys for the most part played really hard uh, over the course of the game and, and competed in a way that just didn't feel like they were doing uh, consistently against Rutgers. Um, I think naturally in a in a rivalry game big time uh i mean anytime you can be on peacock obviously that's exciting people will be fired up for the game on tuesday um but i think that you know that extra lift that this team needs sometime i think that environment will provide it uh and if you look at the bigger picture from a tournament standpoint and all those things i know i use not in anybody's bubble watch not whatever like these next few games are the kinds of games i'm not saying you need to go three and oh these are the kinds of games that move the needle and get you back closer to that conversation. You have to compete and play well in these games and win at least one of them to me, or you're putting yourself in a really difficult spot given the number of that they have. And so uh, why not get one out of the way on Tuesday and, uh, and see what happens from there, but really looking forward to it. I, I think this team will show up. Uh, for that game and uh, should be a great environment as it always is uh, when IU takes on Purdue at Assembly Hall. So uh, hoping this can be a springboard for some uh, for some of the guys and, and the team as a whole. I know, Andy, I was told on the broadcast, we just have to win our home games and then we'll be in the NCAA tournament. That was the bar. I mean, you can <laughs> add, yeah, you can add bracketology to the list of things that Stephen Bardo doesn't know about. <laughs> just oh, man, I, uh, I'm just, I'm proud of the team tonight you know this this minnesota team i know there was kind of this perception of them coming into the season because of how bad they were last year that they were going to be awful again i mean i think they were unanimously chosen to be in the basement and people really didn't expect much from them and this minnesota team has played well they've gone on the road and won they've won at home they were winning seven in a row coming in and so i think for indiana to bounce back from a loss like rutgers hear all the noise that they've had, you know, be dealing with all the things that they've been dealing with, you know, and kind of having these questions surrounding their point guard to come out and take it to that team and dominate them for 40 minutes and deliver your best performance. 
this is a really good night for Indiana. And hopefully it's a stepping stone, you know, to better things to come. But I think, you know, what nights like tonight really help do, and, and I started thinking about this as, as, you know, we talk about, you know, why should we have confidence that Indiana is going to come out and play well at home? Because this team has done it. You know, and I heard on, you know, some different Indiana podcasts, I think they talked about it on podcast on the brink. Uh, Zach and Mike talked about it on Mind Your Banners. You know, what is the identity of this team right now? What is the identity of this program? And admittedly, it's a bit of a flimsy answer right now. It feels a bit like a program that's searching for that identity. But one of the things that we know it is right now under Mike Woodson is, you know, this team plays well at home. They play well in big games at home. You know, and I think as you, you know, reflect on times in the Archie Miller era where people really started to lose confidence, it was getting blasted by Indiana State at home. No showing against Nebraska and Michigan and Purdue on Bob Knight coming back day. Like that program didn't even have that as its identity, which should be one of the most fundamental things that an Indiana basketball program should have. And so for all the questions and the consternations and the struggles and the disappointments, many of them fair and reasonable, I think, as, as you kind of look through things that have happened this season, you know, there are still some core things about an Indiana basketball program that have been rebuilt and that this program is still standing on. And so, you know, we saw that tonight uh, with this team really coming out and playing well. And I hope and expect uh, that we will see it again on Tuesday, um, because for all the questions that there may be, Mike Woodson broke the streak against Purdue. He has a winning record against Purdue. And this team has certainly stepped up at home and played well against Purdue. And I expect that we will see more of the same Tuesday night. And I think it's so much easier to have faith in that and confidence in that and excitement for that game after seeing the way that they played tonight. Big confidence builder. Now let's carry it into Tuesday. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call. If you ever want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com and join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for everything, including the music that you hear on the show. Special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logo. Uh, Thank you for listening. We'll be back Tuesday night to talk IU hoops again with you. Until then. Take it from me, Rob Finnessy. Keep your eyes on the rim and your elbows in. Go Hoosiers. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Here I come. This is Don Sony. (laughs) All right. Good game. Good night. Good show. Thanks for joining us, Coach. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, really. Yeah, I appreciate being there. It's finally, it's finally good to see Andy face to face on over a computer screen. I know where I'm on it. So (laughs) glad glad we did that. This is true. This is true. Yeah, I, I I just yeah. Well, we're still kind of here on kind of the time where people are a little logging off. It, 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 it's, it, it's funny. We talk about identity. I think we all kind of knew year. See, we were talking about the year three thing. And by this point, you're supposed to have it figured out. But because of the way that Woodson comes in and inherits the Miller team and basically fulfills the Archie Miller destiny of getting to the tournament. Well, now you have this hodgepodge sort of weird gumbo of a team that's been accumulated. And I think they're still trying to figure some things out on, okay, so what do you do with two fours and a five and two guards that are power backs? You know, it, it there, there's a lot of this where I think that, and and I think it's funny because all the predictions I think I was looking at earlier in the season, all the things that had to happen for this team to even be where they are now record-wise, they haven't happened. <laughs> Most of them just have no. not happened. 
And it's like from certain player developments to certain schematic things, it's just been, and they're finding ways of getting wins. That's a plus. But I mean, it's just, I think that it's going to be interesting to see where they are mid-March versus where they are now and who they are. Yep. Yep. Just want to see it look like they're starting to figure it out for a few games in a row as opposed to to one but that's well, that the next step time that, to start <laughs> uh yeah tuesday would be delightful the uh, time to uh to start so yeah how would you real quick how would you rank the next three games in terms of likelihood of indiana winning because you've got purdue's at home illinois is without shannon and wisconsin may be the least talented of the group but they're really good and we've never won in the Kohl center <laughs> i feel like you could oh, i'm curious what you would say but me yeah or bob or anybody uh, i mean well according to ken palm it goes Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois in that order. Double digits. Uh, yeah, n- none of them are overly likely. I, yeah, I, I've been pretty impressed with how Illinois played without Shannon. They've really, you know, bounced back well um, from that situation. So uh, I, I think that would have been kind of easy for them to really fall off. So far, only a few game sample size. They really haven't. Um, I mean, I guess I would probably rank the Purdue game as the most likely just because it's at home. Uh, yeah. You know, one of the others is against a, a super athletic team and the other is against uh, in a venue that uh, has been a house of horrors. So, I mean, to sit and put winning at the Cole Center uh, at the top of any such list uh, would be uh, would be spitting in the face <laughs> of history. So, yes, don't tempt fate <laughs> with that. Yeah, absolutely. We're properly humbled, Cole Center. We're, we're yeah. not worthy. All those things. Just yeah, you know, yeah. we get it. We've we've had enough. We're good. But, <laughs> yes, Uncle. Yeah. So yeah, that, I don't know. A, we'll that's see. A, that, that, that's the one plus of going to like a seventy fourteen Big Ten is that we may only have to go there once every decade. <laughs> yeah, that would be unbelievably I mean, awesome. That would yeah, be nice. Be ecstatic. Uh, but yeah, that exactly. would be nice. So. All right, gents. All right. Have a great night. Go Hoosier women tomorrow, assuming that game gets played. Travel safe out there. We'll all be cheering you on. Let's go get another victory. Yep, absolutely. All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Good night. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate, not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.